This is the Lindell Report, bringing you news combined with hope by offering practical and achievable action points to assist you in defending and preserving faith and freedoms. And now, here is your host, Mike Lindell. Not getting All right, welcome to the program. Glad you're with us. Guys, I'm getting some other internet, some other audio in my ear. All right, welcome to the broadcast. Glad you are with us. Um, we're going to be joined tonight. There you go. I was getting someone else's TV show in my ear. We're going to be joined tonight by attorney Dan Eastman, as well as gubernatorial candidate for Wisconsin, uh, Tim Ramtham. Mike Liddell is uh, traveling. Uh, he is conducting business and will hopefully check in with us by phone tonight. We're also going to play some shocking video footage from 60 Minutes last night regarding the state of Wisconsin, which is why attorney Dan Eastman and gubernatorial candidate Tim Rampham join me today also to talk about breaking news that will be unfolding in the state of Wisconsin later this week, I believe Wednesday. But if you saw the piece last night by 60 Minutes, what a joke. In fact, I think it was full of lies. It was absolute propaganda. We'll show you some shocking clips as we can under federal fair use tonight as we comment on this piece by CBS News and 60 Minutes. First joining me is gubernatorial candidate Tim Rantham. Sir, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Brandon. Good to be here again. Love your, it. Love your shirt. That's nice. Like it, like it. He's also a state representative, as you guys know, and he is the one that put forth the resolution to decertify the, uh, what, 10 electors there in Wisconsin for the 2020 yes, election? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, I think we're also going to be joined by phone now as well by attorney Dan Eastman. In just one second, Dan will join us, I think, unless he's here now. Is he here now? Just one second. All right. He'll be here in a second. In the meantime, uh, let's get started. Uh, Tim, what did you make of 60 Minutes piece last night? Did you see it? Crap. <laughs> well, I wasn't kidding. I'll tell you what. It was incredibly disappointing, Brandon, because... At the be at the onset of the of the piece, the, did you notice what the backdrop was? Uh, I did not. Tell me. AJR one twenty, which is your my resolution. resolution. Your resolution. My resolution was in the backdrop of the gentleman uh, who was presenting the the piece and who was the interviewer for some of the individuals that they spoke with while they were in Madison. And the one person they didn't speak to was me. Okay, so you're saying when it kicked off. When it kicked off on 60 Minutes, uh, wait a minute, is this, uh, are you talking about this piece right here? The, if, I don't know if you can see it. Are you talking about that right there? It is already underway Look, for this. Voting rights and wrongs. That's my resolution underneath that, that expression there. Go yeah. up to the top of it. See it? AGR 120. 2021 Assembly Joint Resolution 120. There it is. So right That's there me. he starts out, he narrates the beginning during that with all that back there, and yet he never interviewed you one time. Nope, didn't know he was in, in the area. I would have tracked him down. So You know why uh, he probably didn't interview you, right? Well, it was a left-wing perspective. and uh, they But he heard troops. you being, they probably monitored and have seen the recordings of us interviewing you here on Lindell TV and realized you were too good of a spokesperson. Well, and either that or they're afraid of truth or all of the above. It's but, all yeah, the above, yeah. Really unfortunate that if, you know, you really want to be a journalist and, and do the right thing like you do, Brandon, like every day. You want to get the complete story, the full picture, and it's a disservice to the people of the state and the country to have them come in and do a partial interview and slant it with the negative perspective about what we need to do for our republic. And uh, I was, it was crap. 
It was crazy. I can't think of a better word. So that's well, you know, we did say several weeks ago that we thought Wisconsin would become the battleground for twenty twenty fix twenty twenty. I think Colorado will be there as well. But uh, Wisconsin is shaping up. Even even sixty minutes said that (laughs) that Wisconsin is shaping up to be the battleground. And they just aired last night. We said that how many months ago, right, Tim? Yes, sir. We did. And I, I, you know, I, I think about this with with all the humility I can muster and. My calling is from above, the divine guides to have me engage in this. But I, I ask myself the question, I wonder where we would be in the state and even in national media if it weren't for me to push this thing like I am. Um, I, I really don't want to know, but I, I'll tell you, it wouldn't be the same because I've been out there poking it for the right reasons, and I have no fear about this because I know there's truth behind my words. I have empirical data that backs it up, and every time – the left comes out, and same with the stuff we heard last night in this uh, broadcast. They use words like conspiracy theorist or nut job or whatever you want to say that's sarcastic, right? But there's no qualified data that backs up their points. So it's all this ad hominem type of approach and how they want to, you know, marginalize people by name calling. I back everything up with facts, with truth, and and uh, I'm never going to change. So they're going to lose the battle in the long run because I'm not going to. Buckle. I'm not buckling. So. Uh, well, good for you, Tim. Let's before we look, guys. Let me know when we have Dan Eastman with us. Um, let's talk about before we get into playing some of the clips from 60 Minutes and responding. Tell me what's going on in the state of Wisconsin. You're smiling already. What? What? what well, is, I, you, yeah. you really want to? You really want to go to the clips? Uh, you know, it's. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you have to because that's. I mean, you have to see this stuff. The people have to see it. I watched it, and I'm pulling clips. I'm going, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? No, we have to play these clips and shoot down this these lies. It's, but it's shocking what, well, it's just not shocking. It's just, it's, it's so revealing as to the propaganda of the communist broadcasting, I mean, excuse me, CBS News. Yes, but, okay. But my, question, uh, I, but my question was, what is coming up this Wednesday? Well, we have, um, in Wisconsin, there's a, a very interesting opportunity for minimally to plant seeds, if ultimately not to have some action come of it. Uh, a couple, three weeks ago, maybe four now already, time flies, uh, 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 the speaker was on a radio broadcast for a Milwaukee market uh, media channel, and he was contacted, a caller called in and asked him if he could uh, agree to meet with him in his office and bring some constitutional attorneys in, and he agreed on air. So he committed himself publicly to have that meeting. Well, the individual followed through and, and made sure that we had this meeting or had a meeting. He had a meeting. And so he's going to be there with some constitutional attorneys, and they're going to have the type of discussion, I think, that should have happened under the Rules Committee in public uh, to address AGR 120. But, Wait a minute. Um, are you telling I, me that, that Speaker Voss is going to have a conversation with them publicly? No, no. Uh, thank you for clarifying. What I wanted to have happen with AGR 120 when my resolution got put to Rules Committee was have the chair have a public hearing with the constitutional attorneys present. In fact, make it an informational hearing, which means only the people you invite would be on, on air. Um, no, the, the event on, on uh, Wednesday at 10 o'clock in the Speaker's office is going to be no cameras, no press, closed-door opportunity, and it's going to be um, just between uh, him and the individual who called for it and a series of individuals who were invited to attend. I may be there, I may not. I was asked to be ready to be there. 
I don't know if I, you know, it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is they're going to have a discussion with attorneys in the room, and most of them that are picked are the ones from my 72-slide report, uh, including John Eastman, Karen Mueller. Um, I believe um, um, I'm drawing a blank on a gentleman, not not Troopus, but uh, Olson, Kurt Olson may be there as well. So there's three of the seven that I had in my report will be there. So, so, so. To his credit, Speaker Voss has agreed to that, and it's going to happen, huh? Well, I don't use the word credit until we find out what happens from it, because I think, you know, it's an obligation he committed in public. Now, to have the meeting, great. Could be, could be very opportunistic and very informa informational for him. I don't know. But I think this guy is so entrenched in being no and obstructing due process here, which is a big part of what our Constitution and what our country is all about, due process, that he, he, he'll just write it off as well. I said I'd meet with him, and I met with him, and nothing came of it, nothing to see here, and nothing's going to happen. That's what I think is going to happen, but you never know. And then there's a hearing, not a hearing, um, a rally apparently. <laughs> Speaker Voss and, and Majority Leader Lemahieu are going to go to a, a town in uh, central Wisconsin called Plover. It's near um, Stevens Point. And they're meeting with all the GOP chairs and vice chairs uh, for the state of Wisconsin. So 69 chairmen and vice chairs have been invited to come to Plover at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday, the same day, that evening. And uh, they're going to have a discussion about how they feel about things. And, and that's going to be an interesting event as well. So there is a rally that they're having at the same time. The people who are organizing it are calling it uh, Rampton Rally to Reclaim. I'm not involved. I'm not doing anything, but they're calling the Rampton Rally to reclaim. They asked me to come to that, too, and I may be there because they want me to be. But So it's, Wednesday's going to be a big day. A lot of stuff going on. Well, well, we'll love to hear a report from you on that after all that takes place. Before we go to these, before, these, for, before we go to these clips, which you asked me to play and are so excited about me playing, and uh, that's a joke. I'm just, a jo I'm just joking. Um, before we go to these clips, though, uh, is how is thing, how are things going with your run for governor? How's it going with the fundraising, with uh, meetings? How's it going? Thank you so much for asking. Um, there's one big problem I have with my campaign. I've been asked to be in three, four, five places at the same time, and I physically can't do it. Now, that's a really good problem to have. Um, everybody and their uncle wants me to be there. And I'm doing my best to go to the Lincoln Day dinners and to the caucus meetings and to the Patriot meetings. And I'm getting out and, and seeing as many people as I can. And if I can't, I, I, I try to reschedule to catch them all. So long story short, the demand is incredibly heavy on my presence everywhere in the state. Number one, number two, um, when I announced on February 12th, I basically had nothing. I started, I, I leap of faith. I, I jumped into the race. I'm still working on building my team. Uh, as far as funding goes, didn't have anything per se. Um, the, then the RPW informed me that I had to have $100,000 and $1,000, or excuse me, 1,000 donors or more, $100,000 or more by March 15th, or they wouldn't view me as a viable candidate for governor. Well, after three and a half weeks, we blew the doors off both those numbers, and it comes so have from... They, have they raised that bar now again? <laughs> well... They, they, they might, but if they did, if they do, I'll beat it again. So I, I came in above the 100. I came in above the 1,000. And I got to give praise to you and your show and your support and multiple other channels across the, the country, as well as the people in the state of Wisconsin. They came through in flying colors. We advertised the necessity for this. I don't like asking for money. I, I don't want to be around it. It's the root of all evil. But in a statewide race, I got to have it now my, my competitor. So I've been running for governor for four weeks. 
and I'm in six figures and I'm doing well, so I'm viable, right? There's another individual. She's been running for governor for four years. So she's a little bit heavier in, in the coffers than I am, but I'm still going to beat her. Uh, money doesn't win this. What wins it is shoe leather and message and candidate quality and, and conviction and courage and passion and, and the Lord. And I've got all of it, so we're going to do well. But thank you for asking. Yeah, absolutely. All right, do we have Dan Eastman with us, guys? Hey, Dan. How you? Oh, look hey. at that. I thought you were going to have to join us by uh, phone, but you're joining us with your yeah, beautiful I face. I wish the governor a happy birthday in person, so happy birthday, Governor. Is today your thank birthday? You, is today your birthday, Tim? Yesterday, yesterday, yesterday. Another, thought, okay. year, another year of passing youth, Brandon, and I've never felt better. So good for you. Off. Good for you. All right. And Dan, how are you doing? Fine, fine. Very good. Very and for those good. who don't know, Dan is an attorney, right? Right. In, in Wisconsin, home, and, home boy here. And you're representing uh, some, some, some citizens in Wisconsin when it comes to voter fraud, correct? Right, right. We're spending a lot of time looking at voter integrity issues and the integrity of the voting system. So we're spending a lot of time looking at what's right with the system and what could use improvement. In okay. The system. Did you see, Dan, did you see the uh, 60 Minutes report last night? Uh, no, I didn't. I, I apologize. I did not see it. I've heard all about it today, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you missed a real treat. It's a real blessing, Dan. You're going to love it. They, they, uh, they talk about uh, how it was stolen and how it happened and what a great guy Tim is and his... Res I'm sorry, that, none of that happened. It was, it was a total... Uh, it was... How'd you describe it again, Tim? Crap. Yeah, that's how Tim described it. So uh, we, will, we will play some clips because Tim asks us to play some clips. <laughs> Tim doesn't know why we're playing these clips. Tim's like, are you really going to play clips from 60 Minutes? I'm like, yes, because it was very informative, and we can knock down their propaganda. So with that being said, Dan, do you have any updates before we go to these much-anticipated clips from 60 Minutes last night? Well, it's a busy week. Of course, the legislature ended its floor sessions last week, and we were able to keep uh, the uh, – uh, we call it the Monday open or a Monday count uh, bill uh, out, so that is not going to happen, and that was a, that was a good thing. Wait, 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 I have no clue what that means, so I know our audience doesn't either. What does all that mean? Well, there was, was a big push to open the absentee ballots on Monday for the convenience of the clerks, so they could figure out uh, basically who's in the lead, and then we have all day Tuesday to worry about it. Um, we were able to keep that from happening. Entire position that the who was pushing for that? Who was pushing for that, Dan? Pardon me? Who was pushing for that? Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Am I seeing Tim's, Tim's excited for the answer? So who is pushing that bill, Dan? Well, it, it seems like our illustrious, uh, fearless leader in the Assembly, uh, Representative Voss, one of 99 re elected representatives in the state, uh, was uh, pulling out all the stops to get that rammed through. And uh, when three attempts at the Assembly didn't happen, uh, the game changed to the Senate, which is rather concerning because... Uh, Opening ballots and counting votes on Monday, whether they say it can be done or not, is, is not a good idea in this digital age. So, what, why is it? Tell me why it's not a good idea, Dan. Because if if you think about how digital life has become, and of course voting is very much part of that, uh, there's always the potential of knowing on Monday how many votes you have per candidate. So that on Tuesday you still have time to react. You can react uh, with fake walk-in voters or knock-and-drag voters, or you can mail in ballots on Monday night and they'll still show up in the clerk's office on Tuesday. It gives you more time. So and it gives you more time to cheat when you realize you're behind. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean this, the, the ballot total should be a mystery until they're counted up at the end of the night on election night. That's the way it's been since probably the Greek time, back in the olden days. And uh, knowing ahead of time 
uh, where your candidate stands in comparison to the other candidate puts you in a competitive advantage. And you're and, saying and, that Speaker Voss was for opening and counting early, huh? Yeah, it was surprising because he pushed three different tactics to get that Monday open bill through the Assembly and then ended up punting it to the Senate and only because of a grassroots uh, attempt uh, and, and action by gr grassroots people in Wisconsin was it, was it killed. Um, it was a very important piece of legislation that they really wanted to push through, and, and there's no logic to that. Why, why would you create more chaos, especially a week after the Gableman, Justice Gableman's report came out, which painted a, a horrifying picture of election irregularities in Wisconsin. So we're very happy it's gone. We, we don't know if it'll stay gone, but at least this week it's gone, and that, that's the big news from last week. And, of course, this week we have... Uh, I guess uh, there's a, a meeting with the representative boss in Madison, and then of course the uh, Wisconsin Republican Party is deciding to meet with the chairs and the vice chairs up in Port Washington. Uh, nobody knows what no, that's all about. No, it just seems that there's still a lot of dynamics going on. What were you going to say, Tim? It's in Plover, Dan, which is near um, uh, Stevens Point. It. Okay, yeah. probably needed a bigger venue or something. Well, so. maybe. Um, uh, Brandon, I've, I've got to tell you a little bit of backstory about the deceptive practice of the Speaker of the Assembly and what he did to almost cause this problem to get passed through the legislature. The, the bill in question is, is Senate Bill 946. Originally, 946 was about a paragraph, about this much language in a bill that spoke at whistleblower protection. It passed the Senate and came over for concurrence in the Assembly. On the 24th of February, prior to our floor session, Assembly Bill 214, which was the original bill that allowed for the Monday early count, which is pages of data, was talked about in caucus. And I expressed uh, concern, and I was not alone, that that bill's a poison pill bill, it's a bad bill, we can't have it. And in, in that meeting, in that event, and even though it's closed caucus, I'll, I'll, I'll make a comment and someone can say what they want about it, um, that you could tell the speaker was visual, visibly and physically upset that we were putting up obstacles to not have that bill be heard on the floor. So ultimately he said at that time, okay, fine, throwing my hands up, we're not going to force it to the floor. So 214, in my opinion, was dead, and I was very happy about that. So then fast forward nine hours later, and the body, by the way, agreed. The body agreed we're not going to deal with 214. Nine hours later, the amendment to 946, SB 946, was the language from 214 put into 946 to amend it. Now, once a bill comes across from the House, from the Senate to the Assembly, and if it's not changed, it can just be concurred in, over and done with. Well, the Assembly amended it. They changed it. So it had to go back to the Senate as 946 amended, which was a totally different bill. And to my chagrin, the Assembly body approved it. After saying no to 214 in caucus, they said yes to the amended 946. That kind of stuff really upsets me because they, they already had told him no, and then he went and snuck it in anyway, and then they presented it as though it was just a whistleblower bill when it wasn't. And if you look at the bill, you can see it wasn't the same bill, but they said yes anyway. Now, three members didn't. Representative Branchin from the 22nd, 
Representative Wickers from the 83rd and Representative Allen from the 97th. I was not physically there for that activity in that bill. That's the day I had to leave to go to CPAC. And that's the one bill that I wish I would have been there for to yell at what well, came to be a moot point anyway because the Senate didn't pass it, amended, and I'm glad to Dan's point it got killed. And by the way, in my opinion, it's dead, dead. It's not going to be able to come back anymore. Good, so, excellent. All right, let's go to our first clip. This is um, State Senator Karen... Um, oh, uh, Kathy Bernier. Kathy, thank you. Kathy Bernier. How did you know that's who I was going to say? Because it's 60 Minutes, and that was one of the things that made it crap, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm not, uh, well, I'll tell you what, you're lucky I'm just saying crap, I'm telling you. It was a bad It's a good thing we're not on VCY America right now, because we can't say that word on Christian radio. You know that, right? Uh, thank you for telling me. <laughs> Don't talk about 60 Minutes and I'll be fine. Okay, okay. Well, I'm triggering him. I'm, tr I'm gaslighting him. Okay, let's go. You guys are in the control room. Here we go. Kathy Benier. This will bless your heart. Here we go. Was the 2020 vote in Wisconsin clean and fair? Yes. The election was not stolen from Donald Trump? No, the election was not stolen from Donald Trump. Kathy Bernier is a Wisconsin Republican state senator. She told us widespread voter fraud is all but impossible in Wisconsin. How is it that you can say that with such certainty and such conviction? Because I know the process. A die-hard conservative, Bernier began her political career overseeing elections as clerk in Chippewa County. Today, she chairs the State Senate Committee on Elections and calls the talk of voter fraud a charade that will hurt Republicans at the polls. If there is massive voter fraud, why wasn't it proven in Georgia after three recounts? Why wasn't it proven in Arizona after the forensic audits? And why wasn't it proven here? Because it cannot be proved. You supported Donald Trump. I voted for him twice. But now I hear you saying almost the exact opposite from what former President Donald Trump says and his supporters are saying now. I don't know why people don't want to hear the truth. Hmm. Um, but it is my Christian values to tell the truth, oh boy. Oh boy. And, I, and I will. There is no evidence of voter fraud. It's time to move on. Wow, she's doing her Christian duty, guys, don't you know? I mean, you, 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 I'll let you take that on, but I mean, the woman clearly is she, I mean, I don't know, is she dumb as a box of rocks or is she lying while she sits there talking about her Christian faith and truth? Because to say there's no voter fraud, when we have the Racine County Sheriff recommending uh, felony and misdemeanors, we have drop boxes that go against state law, we have a decision by your own Wisconsin Supreme Court that says that they did things they shouldn't be doing, we have eight, what is it, $8.8 .8 million from Zuckerberg that came in there, a nonprofit that went to, uh, predominantly to five Democrat cities, it was not given to everybody across your state, I don't think, but targeted certain for a bribery scheme. I mean, the evidence is overwhelming. You've got harvesting ballots out of nursing homes. The drop boxes are against uh, your state law. How can she sit there and say, is she as dumb as a box of rocks or is she lying? Dan, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Uh, I think, you know, uh, Senator Bernier's problem is, is not unusual. To, to the hammer, everything looks like a nail. To the clerk, when they look at the clerk process, the election system, 
they believe in that system because it's the only tool they have. The WEC database, WizVote, MyVote, it's the only tool they have to do their job and keep their job. If they were to botch up an election, it would be an absolute disaster. And WEC is very masterful at convincing the clerks that this system is the system that Wisconsin uses and it's dependable. And from the perspective of her looking at the system, she, she forms the opinion that there's nothing wrong. But if you look beyond that, that county and that municipal machine, what you're going to find is a system that's a statewide system that's been manipulating the votes in Wisconsin for probably the last 10 years on statewide races. She, she uh, are we also talking about the ERIC system? Are we talking about the ERIC system where they have all these names and no one knows how they got there or how to clean them up or anything that's used in, what, some 31 well, states? The, the WEC, the Wisconsin Election Commission, runs a statewide database. And, of course, we all know it's got seven million names in it. How many, only have you, you, broke up there. you broke up there. Have you back up a sentence? It has how many names in it? Seven million names. There's seven million names in the Wisconsin database run by WEC. This is the tool these clerks need to use to run an election. There is no other system. A clerk can't have a separate system because under HAVA, the, the federal law, WEC or the Secretary of State, but in our case the WEC, is required to provide a statewide rural database. So the clerks are pinned to that system. And the clerks, the clerks must believe that that system works, it's functional, it's operational. And when they do that, that's all they see. But what she's not seeing is the bigger picture of thousands and hundreds of thousands of phantom voters embedded, embedded in the WEC system, and they're not understanding the walk-in uh, phantom vote problem or the mail-in phantom vote problem. They're not seeing the big picture. So Kathy's running around telling everybody the system's perfect, everything went just fine, there's no, there's no voter fraud, but she can't see beyond that. And if she can see beyond that, then, then maybe your Christian values are a little, a little afraid because uh, you either understand what's going on and you tell the truth, or you see your little world and you tell the truth. I think you're being awfully but generous of, because I there's a she says. I think you're being awfully. I think you're being awfully generous because I'm not a state senator in Wisconsin. I don't even. I'm not a taxpayer in Wisconsin. I don't reside in Wisconsin, and yet I know more about what's going on in Wisconsin apparently than she does. Because I've read enough reports from whether it's the Racine County Sheriff, your own state Supreme Court. Um, I, I've, I've watched enough and learned and read enough to know there is a real problem, not only in Wisconsin, but the other states. So I, I don't understand how she can't see this unless she doesn't want to see it. I, I think that's the answer. I, she's in denial. And I, I quite frankly think she may be compromised as well. This is the individual, by the way, when I put out the question on October 28th, I asked in a press release, I put out the question, we ought to consider decertifying our election. We ought to consider reclaiming our 10 electors. Within two days, two business days, she had asked the Legislative Council, uh, which is the legal team in Madison on behalf of the legislature, to draw up a statement that basically de debunked my question debunk the idea. Don't even think about reclaiming. You can't because it's not legal and there's no mechanism and it's unconstitutional. She led the way to obstruct right out of the gate with this deal. And and uh, then I came back out in mid-November and I had the physical mechanism and I had a constitutional attorney that says you can and here's how. And, and that was when the, the fight really got heavy. She's been negative on the idea from moment one, day one, and she's been obstructing 
all along the way. She also chairs the campaign and elections element on the Senate side of our legislative process. And her committee is the one that railroaded a lot of these last-minute, last-second uh, election bills through to try to bamboozle the legislature and make things legal that were illegal in 2020. And a lot of them didn't pass. And um, and the big one that didn't pass was the Monday bill. So uh, she's been negative out of the gate, Brandon. And, uh, and, and you're right. I don't believe she took a second to look at my 72-slide report that was incredibly comprehensive and laid it out like a court case on how the mechanism is proven, the clause data justifies the language, the constitutional attorneys justify the action. It's all there. Gableman's 138-page report, I bet you everything I got in the world, she didn't look at one page of that because she writes it all off as irrelevant and conspiracy, and so she doesn't want to be educated to the truth. She's only working in her own little Kathy world and telling people in her narrow perspective how things are based on when she was a clerk 20, 30 years ago. It's, it's, I'm sorry, it's crap. Well, what it also she says, this is for either one of you, that you know this hasn't been proven in Arizona, Wisconsin. Um, Kathy, hello, Earth, Earth to Kathy. I don't know what color is the sky in your world, Kathy. Give me a break. Um, again, you're either, in my opinion, dumb as a box of rocks, or you're complicit, or you're not telling the truth, or you don't want to know. Because again, let's go back. Let's go to Arizona. Just the Mar just the Maricopa County audit shows massive problems, including deleting the databases on video the night before the audit. You also have all kinds of names. Uh, signatures that don't match up. Dr. Shiva and others have shown this. I mean, the problems go on and on and on in Maricopa County. The reality is, in most of these places, we've not had a full forensic audit. We also, she mentions Georgia. Well, in Georgia, again, we've got drop boxes. We've got people dropping ballots. We've got people being paid to drop ballots. We've got people, the cameras set up where you can't see the car, the make of the car, who's dropping, how many they're dropping. I mean, we've got, we've got, um, People that are poll workers. Uh, what was the lady that we interviewed in um, in at CPAC, Logan? We've got that lady that was there and saw Susie Voyles. Good job, Logan. We got Susie Voyles. We interviewed, who's now running for U.S. Congress. She personally saw, and she worked that system for twenty years. All of these uh, fake ballots being worked in, and one box, one box, one batch alone had a hundred and six, hundred and seven ballots, and every one of the ballots was funny paper and voted for Biden and all the down tickets were the same, including a little ellipse in the circle you're supposed to fill it in, which showed that thing was copied over and over. That's one batch, 107 ballots out of all the other batches. You know, I don't know what this woman's thinking. But then again, I've been studying this for over a year now. So have you guys. So is she well, not okay. someone that asks questions or she just does what she's told? Well, by her actions, you, you will know them, as it says. Um, <laughs> that comes from the Bible, which again, she's that. relying on her Christian values. You shall know that. But here, here's the thing. She's the chair of the Senate uh, Elections Committee. Unlike Janelle Branchin in the Assembly, uh, she's had no specific hearings. She's not ordered any investigations. We need a complete outside independent audit of the WEC database, because the WEC database is the platform that 1,852 clerks use in the state. She should have demanded 
did an audit of that system. They're running around recounting ballots in wards, which is a complete waste of time. But she's done nothing, nothing to do any type of investigation in this state. But yet she's bad-mouthing every last citizen who's putting time and effort into looking at what's going on in Wisconsin to assure a fair vote. And she does nothing but criticize the system and the citizens that are paying her salary. I mean, she really needs to step back and think about what she's doing. If you want to be chair of elections because you ran an election machine 30 years ago, you better start digging in and finding out what's going on with that system. And that she's not well, done any of that. And that's how you know it's a fraud. Is she running well for re-election, Tim? No. No, she's Good. not running. She's out. This is her last. So where is she so going to go after? Where is she going to go after well, she's well, out? It's interesting to see where she ends up. We're all waiting. With bated breath to see where she lands, because well, what maybe, she's maybe, saying right now may be provide, may be toiling the soil for where she's going. Megan Wolf is her best friend. So who? let's see what happens. There. Oh, Megan! So, well, remind our audience who Megan is, because uh, Megan is the administrator for the Wisconsin Election Commission. She's also president of the Eric uh, Group. So she got promoted. Uh, after the last election. So she's, and the ERIC group, for those who don't remember, is this database that 31 states use yeah. that collects all these names that no one knows where they come from, how they're cleaned, how they're not cleaned, and it's basically it looks like where they can then pull names from it to, to have phantom voters when they need them, right? Mm -hmm. Dan? Yeah, it's a, it's a system. <laughs> it's a system. If you think about populating a 7 million name database with, hundred or say, 250,000 phantoms, and you know where the phantoms are. You can vote those phantoms statewide and control statewide races. We've had the Scott Walker race, the Josh Call race, Donald Trump race. All of these are within twenty to 30,000 vote spread on a 3.2 million uh, votes cast. If you, you can control the state outcomes with phantoms in the database. And, and the way that works is you do first the mail-in ballots or the absentee ballots that come in. And if you know those percentages, then on Election Day, you can, you can do the false walk-ins and you can do fake mail-ins. And, you know, I was at, uh, in Racine, the, or excuse me, the county, uh, I was in Kenosha, the city of Kenosha on, on February 15th at six polling places. It was my job. I was, I was hired by a client to observe as an attorney walking around six polling places. And at one polling place, I saw with my own eyes people walk into the voting area on a ballot through the machine and leave. Now, they didn't sign in. They didn't show an ID. They walked in from the hall. They put a ballot through the machine, and they walked out. Okay? That's not a voter. That's how you get 50 or 100 different fake walk-ins through the machine. And then with Badger Books, all you do is you got to push a few buttons, and you, you attribute those fake walk-ins to your phantom voters. I saw that February 15th. In Konosha, okay. How do you so do that? How do you do that? Because when I go vote, when I go vote, yeah, well, there's a bunch of there's people at a table, and they won't let you in until you've you know they they're monitoring. So so they're so obviously well, several people are on the take, right? Well, that's the difference between the rural and suburban Wisconsin, where everybody does it right, and then you go to the Zuckerberg Five cities. They don't care. This is about winning. This is about power. They don't look at elections as, as a constitutional right. They look at it as an obstacle to power. So if they need 50 extra votes in that ward, they're going to run 50 extra ballots through, and they're going to check off 50 fake people who never walked in, and they're going to deliver their ward for the better and greater good. And look, wow. you know, we're 90 miles north of Chicago up here. Uh, this is nothing new. 
This probably happened in George Washington's day. But the idea is, if you want to win, you better get paper ballots, a machine, and uh, that's how you win. And it doesn't matter who those ballots are attached to. Well, okay, here's the, Milwaukee. Here's, the, here's the next clip. Uh, this is where they're going to start going after Justice Gableman, who they first of all declare came out and said he didn't know anything about how the voting system works. I don't know if he really said that when he got appointed or not. But you know what? A lot of us didn't know how the voting system worked until the fall of 2020, until November 2020. And a lot of us got a really fast education. And if you're a special counsel and you have a staff who starts teaching you and training you and briefing you, you can very quickly go for, I'm not sure how it works, to within a couple weeks. I got this figured out. But they want to make a big deal in 60 Minutes last night that he didn't even know how the system worked. But now he's going to declare that we need to decertify. Well, what I say is... A lot of people didn't know how it worked, but within a few weeks, we got up to speed and got a real education. Maybe he did the same thing. I don't know, but they really go after Gableman hard. Here's the first clip. This month, Gableman released his interim report live on cable TV from the state capitol. I believe the legislature ought to take a very hard look at the option of decertification of the 2020 Wisconsin presidential election. The legislature's own staff attorneys say there's no legal way to decertify the election. All right, let's fix that because these guys are not blue. So let's let's fix the color. <laughs> that reminds me of that movie from Disney, that Disney movie where that guy turns blue, whatever that thing movie was called. Um, Logan's going to fix that. But they they uh, they really go after him hard, and I want you to hear what they're about to say about him as soon as Logan gives me the go-ahead to keep playing that clip. I, I do have one thing I'd like to mention to you, Brandon. All right. Um, I'll give you three guesses on who the Senate lead was for Senate Bill 214, and the first two don't count. Kathy Benier? <laughs> and what bill? And what is that bill? What would that bill that do? Was, that's the early, early vote, the Monday bill, that, they, that wasn't processed on the Assembly side, that they used as an amendment to embed into 946. So while she's denying voter fraud, she now is apparently supporting legislation that will allow for voting fraud. Is that what I'm understanding, gentlemen? Thank, thank you for connecting the dots. That's exactly why I brought the point up, yes. But hey, her Christian values are at work, boys. Give me a break. All right, let's keep going. 60 Minutes, their hit piece on Justice Gableman. Here we go. Associated Press found about two dozen people were charged with voter fraud in Wisconsin in 2020, out of more than three million votes cast. But Michael Gableman says he believes the whole process was flawed. He points to grants from a nonprofit funded by Mark Zuckerberg to help municipalities run safe elections in the pandemic. About 2,500 communities around the country, both red and blue, received funds, including 217 in Wisconsin that got about $10 million. But Gableman focused on what he calls the Zuckerberg Five. All right, let's stop right there. Reality is, there were a lot of them that were not red and blue, were they, that got the money from Zuckerberg? Just blue. Dan? Yeah, when you look at where the money went, it went to the five Democrat-controlled cities. That's where the machine exists, and that's that's the reality. And they sprinkled some money around the Republican areas, and, but it, it's, you know, 10 to 1 Democrat, and the reality is, Nobody should be able to walk into a city and buy anything. I wish they had come and paid money for the for the garbage pickup. They could, you know, that would be nice. They could pick up all the garbage, Zuckerberg, instead of us, or maybe fund the police. 
He didn't come in and fund the police. But why is why is fund why is sixty minutes not asking why a nonprofit is dumping eight point eight million into an election predominantly in blue Democrat cities? That right there, how can you be a nonprofit and do that? that nonprofits aren't allowed to be partisan, are they? I think Justice Gableman, who's frankly a very learned man, I mean, you don't spend 10 years on a Supreme Court, he's a very intelligent man, he's a, he's a very honest person, and I think he makes a brilliant case that this was bribery. This was, people came into the cities, and keep in mind, every one of these cities have full-time election staff. These people have government salaries, they have government benefits, they're part of the state pension system, these are time workers in those five cities and they're budgeted and they're funded and they've been running elections since 1848 all of a sudden somebody comes in and hands you a bunch of money and says we'll take over the elections it's it's odd it's a gray area of the law because most of the time people don't come in and give money to the cities but these guys figured that out but it's really no different if you look at eric cardall's uh, litigation these are bribes these are bribes they came in they bribed the election officials to go away and they ran the elections who wants to live in a country or a state like that? You know, that's a joke. And, and the question is, did Zuckerberg give his own money? done that. You know, you get the evil Coke. Well, we got one left. You got one Coke brother, okay? What if they had waltzed into town and said, hey, we're going to give you 20 million bucks and run your election, and Donald Trump's going to win? Do you think we'd be listening to 60 Minutes jabbering away about unfair this is? I mean, this is absurd. This is absurd. Wisconsin is for sale. They own the database at WAC, and they own the administration in the five largest cities. Wisconsin was bought and purchased for $10 million. I mean, I don't know what they paid for the Louisiana purchase, but somewhere along the line, for $10 bucks, somebody owns Wisconsin, and it's not us. Wow. That right there, that should go viral, what you just did. By the way, um, <laughs> where, where did this money come from? Was this $8.8 million or $10 million? Was it, was it Zuckerberg's own, own money, or did it come from other big groups that were helping fund his uh, civic and tech life? Did any of it come from China? I mean, was any of it laundered and cleaned? I'm, I'm just asking questions. Please, please, please warn us when you find out the answer. We, we would love to know. Because if you, can sell your, if you can sell your vote for $10 million, are you a free people? No, you're not. You sold out. We sold out. And we've got a whack that thinks this is a great idea. Let's do it again in November. Wisconsin Election Commission, we're going to get to her. Let's listen to the, what 60 Minutes went on to say. We're just playing short clips under Federal Fair Use Act from last night's 60 Minutes, saying Wisconsin's really become the battleground, as we predicted a couple months ago. The five uh, largest recipients were the five largest Democratic-controlled cities in the state. He called grants to the state's five largest cities bribes to boost votes for Democrats and quoted their grant application. With particular emphasis on reaching voters of color, low-income voters without reliable access to Internet, uh, disabilities, and primary languages, not English. He found that language damning. But a federal judge appointed by George W. Bush found nothing illegal about the grants. Michael Gableman blames what he calls a botched election on the bipartisan Wisconsin Elections Commission, which was... All right, let's pick it up right there before we go to WEC. Any comments on what we just heard? I'm not sure about this federal court case uh, with the George Bush uh, judge approving these grants. Uh, to me, that... Uh, it's news to me. That was the first I'd ever heard that when this report came out. How about you, Tim? I mean, that, that's news to me as well. Uh, that's one takeaway I gotta I gotta poke that because I don't know where that came from. 
Okay. Let's go to the next clip. Here we go. Could be one of those moments where, you know, they'll, they want to tell you what they want you to hear. Yep. That's, that's what I think that is. Okay. It's part of the deflection. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, let's, uh, let's pick it up right back here. Here we go. Created several years ago by Republicans in the legislature, he especially targets its administrator, Megan Wolf. My position is nonpartisan, as is all of the staff at the Wisconsin Elections Commission. What does that actually mean? To me, it means that I don't give any deference to uh, political pressure, so people trying to sway us to implement elections in a way that might be beneficial to one party or one candidate or the other. Megan Wolf was unanimously confirmed for the Wisconsin Elections Commission by the Republican-controlled state Senate almost three years ago. In February of this year, she was sworn in as president of the National Association of State Election Directors. When we say that the election in Wisconsin was free and fair, we're not guessing. We know that because we have audited the election. True or false, gentlemen? Has she audited the election, a full forensic audit? True or false? False. 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 Dan, Dan, I got to ask a question, too, on air. So when you try to get the WISVOTE database from the WEC, how much did you have to pay as a Republican to get that list? Yeah, $12,500 per day snapshot. So, we spent so $46,000 you... for four days. We, we, no, nobody has audited anything. They did so some you recounts. Were... You run the balance through the machine, but that's not an audit. You're breaking so up just a tad. You're breaking up just a tad. Let me just make sure everybody heard, um, uh, Dan. You're saying you had to pay this amount of money for just a snapshot. And the reason there's a snapshot is because the database is constantly changing. Of course, you've got to prepare for the steal, do the steal, and then clean up after the steal, remove names, move things around. So they're constantly changing things. So when you say you pay 12000 some odd dollars as a taxpayer to see this so you can try to get to an audit of your own you're doing with experts, it, you have to actually pay for it. So, But the reason it's constantly a, a snapshot of the day is because the thing's constantly changing as, as uh, clerks are in there and, and other, other nefarious people are probably in there, correct? Right, you should be able to see this data in real time every day instead of paying $12,000 a day. Well, Dan, Dan, if you were a Democrat, how much would you have to have, have to pay? Oh, well, that's different, you see, <laughs> because if you're a Democrat, um, if you read the, uh, the, the, the emails from uh, the Milwaukee clerk to CTCL, what you quickly learn is that the Milwaukee city clerk, who is on the payroll as a city worker, downloads it and gives it to you for free. So if you're a Democrat, you get it for free. And if you're a Republican, you pay $12,500. So, so my, point is, my point is when she makes this false claim about her agency and all the employees being nonpartisan, oh. there's more crap for you. <laughs> you. You show me a Republican in the staff. I know there's, a, there's, there's, there's Bob Spindell and there's two other alleged Republicans on the committee, the commission. Oh. Let's take a look at the, the civil service staff, and I, it's a very, very small, small world of, of Republicans working full-time for the state. There aren't any. Well, here's, so this idea that it's partisan or nonpartisan is a joke. Here's your illustrious Speaker of the House, Robin Voss. Every part of Wisconsin, so I'm proud of what we're doing. With all the uncertainty... Um, I will call the meeting... Well, let, me, let me back up so we can hear what he said just a little bit there. Hang on, let's see if I get this. Here we go. Pretty fine in almost every part of Wisconsin, so I'm proud of what we're doing. Uh, let me back up. More. With all the lines, scared, cold, frustrated voters, 
Three weeks earlier, President Trump had declared a national emergency. On election day, Assembly Speaker Voss, in protective gear, told voters well, there was no nothing to worry about. But it's going smoothly, seems to be pretty fine in almost every part of Wisconsin, so I'm proud of what we're doing. With all the uncertainty... Um, I will call the meeting of the Wisconsin Elections Commission to order. The Bipartisan Elections Commission had to make snap decisions, reinterpret election laws to fit unprecedented circumstances. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They had to make snap decisions and reinterpret the law. Are they under Wisconsin law allowed to reinterpret the law and make snap decisions about elections? Or is, that, is that legal? They should have gone through JCRAR. They should have done due process through the legislative body who was their boss, and they did not. They interpreted it on their own. They made adjustments on their own. They got buy-in from the leadership to allow for drop boxes without any body in any committee, uh, committee in, uh, involvement, and that's also not uh, due diligence. It, it was uh, unjust and illegal. So uh, apparently, again, the 60 Minutes guy is either pushing the propaganda, doesn't know enough, or is too stupid to know, which is maybe why he has his job, because, again, some of these people that hire, I think, are dumb as a box of rocks and just read what put in front of them, to think that, would he not ask, wait a minute, is the Wisconsin Election Commission allowed to make snap decisions and make this up on the fly as they go? I mean, don't they have anyone they're accountable to? I mean, does any of this stuff ever cross these guys' minds, Dan? That, that, that's what sets you apart, Brandon, uh, as a journalist. You ask all of the right questions. This, this interview, in my opinion, was a setup to continue the deflection and to continue the uh, obstruction to do the right thing for our country and for our state. Um, it was a setup, and that's why they didn't interview me. They came in and talked to the people they wanted to have uh, give expression to to kind of give credence to the negative uh, indifference and the deflection message, and well, then they got out of town. You so notice I, th they didn't interview one person, not you, Dan, not you, Tim. They didn't interview one person that was on the other side, not one. On purpose. They could just as easily do uh, a national, uh, you know, 60-minute type show asking the question, why after almost a year and a half are people still so upset about the 2020 election? What, what motivates reasonable, intelligent, well-educated, professional business owners, people all across our society, we still know and believe that there was something very, very wrong. So why not do a show? talking about that. No, it's always this uh, de defending this system that is, it's becoming clearer and clearer that our system is broken. And all we're calling for is a, an outside fresh look. Open the doors, audit the system, look at it, and, and if it's broken, fix it. And you but, know, if, if the they chick, found the chick with the... Perfect, the chick. They would have great time making fools of us all, and we'd love to be fools. Wouldn't it be great to wake up tomorrow and find out we were fools? But we're not. We're not fools. And they're not looking, and that's how you know. But the, that's girl, how you the girl with uh, the Wisconsin Election Commission said there were full audits. There's, there's no Lie. full audit. There's nothing. Yeah, the legislative audit bureau comes in. What do they do? They ran ballots through the same machine. They, oh, they all, they all add up. No kidding. But what they didn't do is ask the question, who coded the WEC database? Where is it hosted? Who designed the kernel? WEC, the WEC database serves 1,852 clerks. It's never down. Think about that. This is not a homegrown, homemade system. This WEC system runs at the same level of efficiency as Facebook or you know, uh, you know, Amazon. 
come on, this is not something run out of the basement of WEC. This is big tech behind it. Nobody knows that. Nobody's looked. The same thing with the machines. All you'd have to do is subpoena the cell phone lines to see if they're talking to their servers throughout the day or they make one phone call. If they make one phone call, we're kooks. If they make more than one phone call or people call in, then that needs to be investigated because why are machines talking throughout the day uh, during election day? And I, and I can tell you it's because they're checking the interim vote total so they know how many more votes to crank for the end of the night. Yeah. But nobody asks those questions. There's never been an audit or investigation. It's just throwing more and more stuff into the face of people, normal Wisconsin citizens, who've had it. We, you know, we're not fools out here. Yeah. And, and Brandon, now you know why ESNS and Dominion were in such a hurry to upgrade their their machines with new images so they could wipe out the log file and you wouldn't have any forensic data left on the hard drive to show that these machines were accessed by an IP address from a cell phone and you can't tell if anything was uploaded or downloaded. They've wiped it all out when they did the image upgrades. Wow. Okay, let me play a little more clip because then I got I got a I've got to then tell you guys all what, what what we're doing right here is according to the DHS highly uh, uh, questionable, and, and it's going to get every one of us put on a list uh, from a new report that just came out. So <laughs> I want to make sure we leave time for that. But here we go. Back to back to the 60 Minutes uh, stuff that Tim wanted me to play and is so excited about. <laughs> All done transparently in public Zoom meetings. The Elections Commission gave communities guidance on absentee ballots, which shot up from 4 to 40 percent of all votes. They endorsed expanded use of drop boxes. Instead of holding on-site voting at nursing homes, which were COVID hotspots at the time, the committee ordered election clerks to mail ballots to residents who'd requested them. In his report, Michael Gableman claims all those decisions were illegal. You were the first state in the country to have to have an election in the middle of this pandemic. We were. I still get goosebumps when I think about the fact that in all 1,850 municipalities across our state, they were able to open their polls on election day. They didn't have poll workers, they didn't have supplies, and they were risking their health. Let's talk about cover-ups. Nevertheless, Michael Gableman accuses the Elections Commission of stealing citizens' votes. 23 GOP legislators are calling for Megan Wolf and elections commissioners to be investigated and possibly prosecuted for criminal conduct. Gableman proposes eliminating the bipartisan commission altogether and giving its duties to elected officials who he says would be more accountable to voters. This past week, the legislature extended Gableman's contract. His investigation will continue at least through April. Gentlemen, you want to comment on that? Leave me enough time because i got five minutes left. Either one of you want to comment? Just a wonderful uh, propaganda piece talking about uh, how, how the system that there are many, many Wisconsin people that are looking at the integrity of the system, and the government is hiding it from us. And they open the doors, and we should bring in an independent third-party person or group to look at this thing and give us a, a report. Gableman is doing a great job, but we need some tie-tech people to come in and look. And I think it's the people who pay the taxes to support this mess in, in Madison. They, they owe it to us. They're, they're hiding this from the citizens. And every time the citizen group, then, uh, you know, we're the bad guys. But we're the taxpayers. 
Sorry. She said 1,850 municipal clerks. I thought there was 1,852. And I will tell you that 1,852 plus 72 county clerks equals about 19 and a quarter. Uh, how come there were 3,138 people who had access to the WISVOTE database during the election process if only 1,925 should have? So there's another area where all it takes is one, and I'm sure there was more than one, uh, but they had access to this database during the election process, 3,138. So I think she should talk about that too because that's part of what the WEC allowed for. And this, admitted, this uh, guidance comment I heard, um, that that's what the interpretation of law and to take law into their own hands and give direction so they could pull off some of the stuff that they weren't allowing to go through due process through the legislative body. So the, the Wisconsin Election Commission broke 16 state statutes during the 2020 election, and they have yet today to be held accountable for any one of them. And that's an injustice to our state and our country as well. That's my final comments. Okay, and then very, very quickly, I did not know you guys had a Secretary of State. I thought WIC, WIC W-E-C, was your Secretary of State, but they showed some older gentleman in the basement that they, they claim the Republicans have shoved this old man to the basement, uh, and he spoke. I'd never even heard of him. I thought the WEC took over that job. I didn't even know you had a Secretary of State. Comment? Well, the Constitution requires a Secretary of State, and he used to run the election. He's been there since, uh, I think, since Noah's Ark. And, uh, He's seven, been there 40-some-odd 40 40 some years, they said. 40, 44, 76 he got in, yeah. Well, the problem is we pulled elections from the Secretary of State because it was becoming too partisan, but the Frankenstein monster they've created is vastly worse. We have a unique situation in Wisconsin where nobody is in charge of the WEC except the staff. In order to, to override the staff, you need four out of six commissioners, three from each party. At the end of the day, the, the WEC was probably the, the, the most ill-conceived idea that could create an absolute platform for fraud that, un, that is unregulated and, and effectively unmanageable, and that's what we're living under in Wisconsin. Okay, let me show you this before we run out of time. Here's the headline from my website, worldviewreport.com. This was March 2022. This is just released last week. A report by the Department of Homeland Security, and it states that they are going to start to um, target as domestic terrorists uh, and extremists those who question the election. Brand new report just released the end of last week by the Department of Homeland Security. Closing comment from each of you. Well, we have a letter from uh, Senator uh, Elizabeth Warren, a Democrat, signed by a Democratic Congressman Mark Pocan, who's the Madison, Wisconsin rep, uh, and, and we have a letter from our, our, our Vice President, Kamala Harris, all warning us back in uh, 2016 that the machines were hacked and uh, that the system is, is compromised. We also have a, a state bar attorney providing uh, continuing legal education that dutifully announces that the Russians hacked the 2016 Wisconsin election. So yeah, I think somebody ought to take a look at all those people making these goofy claims because uh, obviously it's a bipartisan problem in Wisconsin. So yeah, it would be nice if somebody would come in and actually take a look at something here. Dan Eastman, how about you? Closing comment, Tim? Bring it on. I'm, uh, I'm not wavering, and uh, everything I've done the last 17 months has been proven to be fact, and I don't know how you call that terrorism when it's fact so bring it on uh dan eastman and tim rampham both of you thank you gentlemen for being here on the lindell report uh mike lindell thanks you as well he's the one that told me i should get both of you on thanks governor thanks brandon good seeing you you too gentlemen thank you guys thank you.
And uh, Mike Lindell spoke for the President Trump rally in Florence, South Carolina on um, Saturday night that we covered here. Uh, we're, I'm going to show you Mike's four-minute speech during my broadcast, Brandon House Live tonight. I'll start off Brandon House Live at 7.30 p.m. Central Time and play Mike's speech at the podium at the President Trump rally in Florence, South Carolina from this past uh, Saturday night. We're also going to have several other guests tonight dealing with Iran, the ballistic missiles shot from Iran into Iraq, targeting not only America, uh, American facilities, but also that of the Israelis. We have a lot to get to. Very important broadcast tonight. But first, the Worldview Report is up. And my friends, don't forget, Mike is away tonight on business, and uh, we'll look forward to having him back with us. In the meantime, if you appreciate what we're doing, support what we're doing by going to MyPillow.com and using the promo code L77 to save up to 66%. L77. Hope you're telling all your family and friends about Lindell TV, won't you? We've worked hard to build it. Coming up on a year, April 19th, we launched this network. Mike and I and Logan have been working very hard to add in new hosts and new programming, but without your support, it does not continue. So please, go to MyPillow.com. Use the promo code L77. Take care. You're watching Lindell TV.